everybody and welcome to another episode of this new podcast, Are You Over It Yet? I'm very excited to announce my guest for today. He was an ordained minister and then became a canon of St Anne's Cathedral in Belfast in 2004, then an archdeacon of Down in 2013, and then more recently he was elected as the Bishop of Down and Dromor in November 2019. And it's my absolute delight to welcome Bishop David McClay. Hello. Good morning and thank you. You're very welcome. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very was, well. Was it all right getting here today? Yeah, the the, the traffic was fine, Ruth. It was it was easy today. Better better than often. So it was, it was I good. know. David came sufficiently early that um, I hadn't tidied my house, so we've managed to clear <laughs> clear a space to to have a wee chat. Um, now I remember um, meeting you. I don't know if you remember this. I remember meeting you. Um, on my birthday, I think it was 2020, because it was before COVID, okay. and you were out for lunch with the previous bishop, Bishop Harold. Right. And um, I remember having a wee word with you at the restaurant. I can't remember why we stopped. I think my dad must have run to the loo or something. I'd been out with my mum and dad for lunch. And I remember you coming over and telling me that you'd heard about Andrew, and you told me a little story about your wife, Irene. Um, who had very sadly passed away. Was it was it 1996, your first wife? Uh, 1993. 1993. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you tell me a little bit about her? Will you tell me, first of all, maybe how you guys met? Well, we met as teenagers in our, in our late okay. teens, uh, as, you, as you do. And, um, yeah, there was a, a romance that, that blossomed uh, for a couple of years, actually. Then there was a break. Oh, okay. And uh, just a break of about six months. Okay. And... Uh, then we got back together and... Uh, realised you really needed each other. Realised we couldn't really do without each other. Yeah. Uh, as you do. And, um, yeah, then then I went off actually to train for ministry. So we weren't married until I was 26. Oh, okay. And uh, she was 26 as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And was it a very happy wedding day? Yeah, we were married in Donegal, where we're oh, both from. Oh, yes, that's where you're and, from originally, uh, of course. Looking out over, over Inverbay, so it was all oh, all very romantic and all yeah. very lovely. So it was, yeah. And what was she like as a person? She was a delightfully gentle, caring, loving, generous girl. Okay. Uh, she was a family person. She was the eldest of nine children. Oh my goodness! So she wow. was so, uh, and she'd been born in America. Uh, her her mom and dad had both moved to America, and mm-hmm. they met in America, though they were both from Donegal. Okay. And uh, then uh, she was born in America, and the next two siblings down from her were also born in America. So it used to be very interesting going through uh, airports because she had an American passport. Right, okay. I had an Irish passport. Okay. And when our daughter came along, she had a British passport. Brilliant. <laughs> so life was really interesting going through airports. She always had to come back in through immigration. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was... She was probably entitled to more than just the American one, goodness knows. But y- yeah. She stuck yeah. with it. She stuck with the American one back in the day. Better yeah. for travelling yeah. these yeah. days, probably. And um, so she was really, really lovely. And you went on, am I right in thinking, to having a little girl? Is that right? So yeah, so we 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 started our married life in in Dublin. We mm-hmm. lived in Dublin for a year. I was still a student. Okay. Uh, at, at that stage. What did she do? I forgot to ask you that. Well, well, at, at that stage, she worked for the Church's Ministry of Healing for right, for okay. part time for a year. But prior to that, she was a, a hotel receptionist. Okay. Um, 
And then we went to Marilyn, which was mm-hmm. my first church as a curate. Okay. And we were there for two and a half years. And uh, she loved the people there. They loved her. Uh, we loved life in in uh, in Marilyn. And during our time there, our, our, our daughter, Cherith, was born. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she was baptized in Marlin Parish Church. And, oh, lovely! Uh, actually, met some folks very recently that would have been her babysitters. Oh, and stuff. okay. So, yeah, so uh, was she good at being? I think it's a very hard job to be a minister's wife. I know it's not a job in itself, but I I do think a lot of the time it is sort of a job in itself. Was she good at at sort of taking that role? She was very much herself, you know, okay, and, and she used her own gifts and her own. Good. skills and her own um i suppose warm personality she was she was a very caring person mm-hmm. so she she related really well to people she loved people yeah uh she particularly loved um the the underdog really you know and okay. and, and would would draw draw alongside the ones that others maybe would overlook mm-hmm. and uh yeah yeah and and, and she was a great mom a brilliant mom and she loved Cherith dearly, you yeah. know, and uh, um, she connected with people of all ages as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, particularly with other young mums, and in 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 the, in the church, we we moved from Marilyn then to Kilkeel, okay. and she started up a mums and toddlers. There hadn't been a mums and toddlers and there, and she started that there. And um, yeah, she just. Uh, she was a gr- really good administrator as well. Okay. So she 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 loved to just organise things, including organising me. <laughs> Why is so good at yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was probably quite helpful, though. I imagine. Really. Absolutely, absolutely. And do you have any? Do you have any really funny or good stories about her you could tell us? Funny stories. Well, it could be a funny story or <laughs> uh, a story where she did something. Goodness, funny stories. Her um. Her sense of direction was 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 awful. Can sympathise with uh, that. And mine as well <laughs> oh, is, is, isn't great. So uh, uh, there 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 are funny stories of us ending up in 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 in, in the wrong place, <laughs> miles away from the direction <laughs> where we should have been travelling. So there's 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 lots of stories. Did you ever miss anything that. vital going in the wrong direction? <laughs> no. Good. No, we always left early enough to make sure that we didn't miss anything That's vital. I don't think we did miss anything vital, uh, but uh, th- there are lots of stories of us taking wrong turns and ending up <laughs> in strange places <laughs> at, the, at the wrong time and all of that. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely sympathise yeah. with that. She sounds, she just sounds so lovely, um, but she was diagnosed with cancer, I believe. Is that right? Can yeah. You tell me a bit so, about that time. So we went to Kilkeel in January 1990. Okay. And uh, we were there just two weeks when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Right, okay. And um, um, she was 29. Very young. When yeah. she was diagnosed with breast cancer. So that was a real, real shock. Uh, she was one of the youngest people that, mm-hmm. you know, that the hospital had come across. And what age was the little girl at that point? Uh, Cherith was a year and okay. nine months at that stage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so she, you know, she had surgery and uh, all seemed to be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the cancer came back uh, about a year later. Okay. And from then onwards, it was chemotherapy, radiotherapy, 
cancer spreading. Yeah. It was just the nightmare that cancer is. often is. Yeah. Uh, if it if it has travelled and uh, mm. doesn't respond to treatments. How was she through that time? You know, was she very distressed or did she always manage to remain sort of quite calm about her, what was happening? Her, her personality was such that she was always quite uh, calm about yeah. anything yeah. in life. So, you know, she was always calm. She she, she wasn't somebody that um, that stirred things up or, yeah. you know, so 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 her her, her she was in, in terms of dealing with the illness, she was very positive. She uh, kept on doing everything that she could do mm-hmm. for as long as she could do things. She was she remained very active um, uh, in between treatments. She got on with life as normally as she yeah. could. Mm-hmm. And um, um, uh, uh, there were those moments where she really, when she began to realise as... Well, when we began, I suppose, to accept that that she wasn't going to get better. Yes. Uh, or had those moments where we Suspected allowed that. ourselves to to believe that she wasn't going to get better, which were mm-hmm. few, actually, because we kept sort of trying to be positive and, and, and believe that somehow or other that a miracle might happen, that yeah. she might recover. Um, but in those moments where, where, where it was all overwhelming, she would just be sad. Yes. And it was a sadness about... Uh, I think people don't realise with grief that for the person who is ill, mm-hmm. uh, if they're terminally ill, that there is a grieving that goes on in them. Yes, definitely. Uh, they're yeah. grieving for what they're going to be leaving behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was obviously, you know, we were very happily married, so there was... Uh, there was the, for her, the grief of thinking, I'm going to be leaving David, mm-hmm. and the grief of, I'm going to be leaving... Cherith as a little girl without yeah. a without a mum, there was all of that going on uh, in her. That, in truth, I probably wasn't as aware of mm-hmm. uh, as I should have been, looking back on it, because I my way of coping was to was to say this will all sort itself out one day. Yes, yeah. This nightmare will go away. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. Uh, she will get better. Um, I think it's funny actually with Andrew and I it was a it was kind of the opposite to that. I think he was very much you know we don't need to worry it's going to be okay. okay um okay. and he wasn't prepared to sort of or certainly not very often to get to that point where he thought oh there's a chance that this yes. this isn't going to have a yeah, good outcome yeah, here. Yeah. Um and it would have been me more inclined to to be sad and and be scared really. Um but I also think sometimes the person who has the illness doesn't want to upset their spouse yeah. or, you know, their child. And that's partly maybe why they try and, I guess, not show it. I don't know. Yeah. There were a couple of times where, 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 where she said to me, look, you've just got to listen to me. Uh, I might not get better. Yeah. And here's some things that are important for you to know if I don't get better. Yeah. And I, I didn't I didn't want to engage in those conversations. Yeah. And I probably afterwards had wished that I maybe had engaged a bit more yeah. in them. But I, I didn't allow myself to go there as much as I maybe ought to have allowed myself yeah. to go there. In some happen. ways, though, that probably meant you were able to enjoy when she was <clears throat> alive better, in a way. Well, we did a lot. Of, we, we packed a lot of things into a few years. Yeah. Uh, mm. Which is, I think, important to do yes. in life anyway. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
just sort of encourage you further. Do you remember, I'm sure you do, um, are you happy to talk about it, I should say, when she actually passed away and the sort of immediate aftermath of that? And can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, I maintained that sort of stoic uh, attitude, this, uh, this can still change. Okay. Right up to probably less than 24 hours before she died. Right, okay. Wow. Even though she was physically dying mm-hmm. to the point that when she went to the hospital for um, some uh, treatment 10 days before she died, the doctor said to me, you can't take her home. Oh, goodness. Uh, she wouldn't survive the journey home. Okay. Uh, she was so determined she kept keeping mm. taking treatment right up to that point okay and we were both quite sort of stoic about it all so uh, she didn't go home so she remained in hospital for the last 10 days of her mm-hmm. life uh my best friend rang me the night before she died mm-hmm. and he told me afterwards that i said to him over the phone well it's like this uh, Sam, it's now all in God's hands. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I had acknowledged to him yeah. that she might not recover. Okay. And that there was, you know, that it was out of, that there was nothing a doctor could do. Yeah, it's Nothing control. I can do. I think one of the things that's really difficult when you're coping with a terminal illness, maybe this is a male thing, maybe it's something that's part of being a young male as well, you, you think you can fix things. Yeah. Uh, and this was one I couldn't fix. Yeah. This was it's one, terribly frustrating as well, uh, not being able to fix it. This was one I could not sort. Mm-hmm. And I find it difficult to even acknowledge that I couldn't sort this one, that I couldn't mm-hmm. fix this one. So it was literally um, about 14 hours before she died that I think I acknowledged to myself yeah. to friends and actually knelt down and said to the Lord, okay, if this is what you're going to do, uh, this is what you're going to do, God, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, I, I love you still. I'll follow you still. Yeah. Regardless of whether I'm married, widowed, mm-hmm. single, whatever, you know. That's a huge amount of, um, you really have to, lose control though and it was a deep moment of yeah. uh, of just saying it was a deep moment of letting go but it was also a deep moment of receiving something by way of just the grace and the kindness and the strength and the presence of god mm-hmm. for what would then lie ahead yes so um another friend uh t- turned up from the church actually the church were great Mm-hmm. So uh, they would have somebody would have arrived down every night at about ten o'clock. Okay. With some food. Oh, lovely! Yeah. Uh, because I was sleeping in a little back in the day, you know, there was nowhere to sleep in the hospital. I was sleeping in a little corner in what was like a broom cupboard, really. Oh goodness! <laughs> they, they they did what they could, but mm-hmm. you know, I was curled up on the floor. Oh right, dear, you know, that's on a, terrible. On an airbed uh, for ten days and. Uh, uh, they were very kind and they did what they could, but uh, uh, somebody would have turned up with 
clean clothes and oh that's so uh, nice isn't it and a uh, hot dinner for with you with a hot dinner oh, and then they would have stayed uh, for a few hours and just chatted mm-hmm. you know and uh, that particular night this guy stayed all night wow it was it was clear that things were at that point so he stayed uh, all night uh, he was in a different room Okay. So uh, he wasn't in with me in the in the room where where and I was. And you didn't call him in or anything? No, 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 no. He came in a couple of times, but yeah. But it was it was just the two of us. So, so she died, and I went and told the nurse, and then walked down the corridor, and said to my friend, "Take me home." Wow. She's gone. Take me home uh, because it was. When the when the when breath leaves somebody and when somebody's actually gone, they're they're gone. The mm-hmm. person's gone. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was a a moment that I just wanted to go home and mm-hmm. see my wee girl. And yeah. Um, so we. You didn't want to hang about. I didn't want to be there any longer. So, so that moment was. It was it was it was a special moment to be there, but when it was over, it was time to be with my my daughter, yeah, who and was at home in Kilkeel with her grandparents. I was going to say, and had they been minding her? They'd for been then minding for... her for ten days. Yeah. And was she? She was four. Is that right? She was four. Yeah, she was, was she a aware. Month, at she all? was a month of five. Okay. Yeah, she was quite aware of mm-hmm. quite a lot. So she was. In her in her own sort of childish ways, mm-hmm. she remembers bits and pieces. She's not quite sure if the things that she remembers are are things that she actually remembers, or what people have told or her, or things that people told her. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's there's a little bit of a mixture there, I think. And did you go home and and did you have the conversation with her about your mom? Yeah, yeah. So my friend drove me home, and um, I uh, we sat down and I I talked to to Cherith and uh, she cried I cried as mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. and did you <clears throat> we were just talking before this that the kind of standard funeral in Northern Ireland is two or three days after yeah. did you stick with tradition and go right two or three days after and we're, we're doing exactly you know as, as we did actually mm-hmm. so that was Saturday morning mm-hmm. she died on Saturday morning yeah and the funeral was on Monday. Did you find, I found that I said to you I had a week between, um, before Andrew's funeral and I found it to be such a busy week because so many people came and it was very difficult to get anything organised. Did you sort of find that or was it actually relatively calm in your house? I, I was really blessed in that some people organised the practical things for me. Right, okay. I, I simply said, this is what I want to happen. Yeah. And people made it happen. Okay. I was really, really fortunate and mm-hmm. blessed by that. You know, yeah. my parents were there. They cared for some of the practical things yeah. around Cherith. That the house was busy. People were, were calling yeah. all the time. Um, and that was lovely at one level, at every level, actually. It was lovely. And then there were those that just, uh, I basically said, this is what I want to happen. Mm-hmm. And they made it happen. And um, did you, did Cherith go to the funeral or did you make yes, the decision? She yeah, did. Yeah, 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 she yeah. did. So actually, somebody just spoke to me about that just yesterday. That did they? About... Recalling that. Um, 
Yes, yeah, she, she did. And uh, she, she, you know, children do their own grieving. Definitely. As yeah. well. And uh, uh, I, I think being present at the funeral was a helpful thing for okay. her. Mm-hmm. She, one of her little friends sat with her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and uh, uh, she would have, after the funeral for months, she and her little friend would have gone over uh, to visit the grave okay. together uh, after church on a Sunday. Uh, Irene was buried in the churchyard beside the church mm-hmm. where I was minister. Right, okay. And so after the church service, Charles would have went skipping across the car park uh, to the grave. She called it Mummy's Cave. Oh, so she did, and she she would have gone, and I think that was really healing for yeah. her. And she would have talked to her little friend, mm-hmm. who was about a year older than her, and uh, you know you you'd have come along and you'd have heard the two of them chittering away mm-hmm. about, and she'd have been talking away about her mummy, you know. To it was really good. I, I think it was quite healthy. Yeah. actually. No, I think that's really really helpful. Know, yeah. I know. Joel, we don't have a. Uh, grave as such but we got a, a bench for Andrew which yeah. is a place that he always sat in the park and they do the same thing even even Freddie who I don't think he even really knows he knows that's daddy's bench and, yes, yeah. and Joe will sit and and, uh, and talk about Andrew and I do I agree it's that it's, it's yeah. just a sort of oh this is an opportunity where I'm allowed to as well um, in the in the first couple of weeks how did you find how did you find life in the first couple of weeks? Did you go back to work? Um, did you stay in your own home? Did you just try and go back into ordinary routine? Or how did that work in the first couple of weeks? I probably did all of the things you shouldn't do. <laughs> I don't know if there's things you shouldn't that's, do. That's, that's quite... I, mean, I think my way of coping uh, is to be busy. Yeah. Uh, and my way of coping with anything in life is to just be quite stoic and... and, and keep going. Keep going. So uh, I went straight back to work. Okay, like literally straight back? Literally straight back to work. Um, wow. And uh, I took services the next Sunday, for example. Oh, my goodness. What did people um, think? About, I mean, did I people think, think, think that was a good idea? I think some people thought it was crazy. Um, <laughs> but but it, was, it, it, it worked for me, I think. Yeah. I think the thing I'd say is you've got to do what's right for you. Yes. Now, I was sensible enough in that I had a friend come and sit in the congregation. So if I was going to crack yeah. up and not be able to yeah. to finish the service there was somebody who, who was there yeah. who was ready to step in yes and um, I, I did the same I had a funeral service as a minister mm-hmm. very soon afterwards you know mm-hmm. it was about 10 days later <gasps> and oh I thought can I do this can I not do this and what I did was uh, one of the neighbouring clergy who was a really good friend I, I said to him look I think I need to do this myself mm-hmm. but I don't know what it'll be like on the day. Mm-hmm. So for the sake of this other family, mm-hmm. can you just be around? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we did. And it was okay. And that was fine. That was absolutely fine. Did you ever have a moment, maybe not even initially, but at some point where you thought, you know, oh goodness, I am tearful or... Yeah, my sort of time of, if you want to use it, crashing with grief yeah. uh, was well down the track, yeah. really. So yeah. it was... So um, about a year and a half down the track, mm-hmm. I, I took about six weeks out. Okay. Um, I, I didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't that I had to, but I reckoned that I needed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I literally took six weeks uh, off work 
And I, what I did actually those six weeks was really, uh, it was incredibly healing. I revisited places that were significant places. For the two of you? For the two of us. Oh, wow. I think I'd find that hard to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just find it really, uh, for me, it, just, it, it was something that enabled me to grieve. Yeah. Uh, and I did it on my own. Mm-hmm. So I, I uh, and I also revisited places that were nothing to do with Irene, but were just deeply ingrained into who I was. Okay. Uh, so little country lanes that I walked as a boy. Yeah. Uh, the beach nearby, mm-hmm. the the home where I grew up. Kind of uh, just going down I, memory lane I, that in, I played in general. On as a child. Yeah. Um, I spent six weeks just getting in touch I think with who I was mm-hmm. and uh, in those moments asking God to come into my grief and into my pain and into my sense of emptiness and to be the healer in the midst of it all mm-hmm. um, um, Did you bring Cherith with you during that time? Cherith, I was fortunate that I was able to, to base myself for the, for most of that uh, with mum and dad. Okay. So Cherith was there. So, you know, it's not like I walked the, the lanes all day, every yeah. day <laughs> uh, and was away from her. Yeah. She, she would have, she would have come to the beach with me as well yeah. for some of it. But, but, but some of it, I, I, I got into the own. car and I drove quite long distances and, um, you know, just spent time. Uh-huh. Um, I was going to ask just because we're sort of talking about that. How was single parenting in general, especially as a dad? Single. I mean, you're maybe not allowed to say that, but uh, I do think it's yeah, probably more I, unusual. I, I think things have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, like you're talking about 1993, four, five, and six. Um, uh, there really wasn't any sort of support system at all. Yeah. For single men, for single men, mm-hmm. for single dads. Uh, there, there, there was for single mums, mm-hmm. but there was nothing for single dads, and it, at times it was quite annoying. Yes, uh, I remember going to book a holiday, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was an overseas holiday, and um, having to pay for two adults and a child because, because there wasn't any way of doing this holiday. Uh, it, oh, was Dis- it was actually to, to it was to Disney and it yeah. was to stay in one of the Disney hotels and stuff, and there was no way. Uh, uh, back then, there was just no way of doing without it. My goodness, that would make me so cross. Oh, I was really, I was really grumpy about that. Yeah. So it was, um, <laughs> Disneyland costs a fortune anyway. But, but I, yeah, it was it was expensive anyway. Yeah. But um, but you know, um, but I thought I'm going to do this uh, yeah. again. That sort of stubborn streak yeah. comes around. I'm just going to do it. It's not going to stop me doing it. Yeah. So I paid for the two hours and a child and just did it. <laughs> Probably you know? meant you got a double bed, um, did it? <laughs> you know, it, it was just, yeah. It was you know, and it, um, so you just did things like that, yeah. you know, and had a actually had an empty seat in the plane next to me, even you know, <laughs> back in the day, you know, um, yeah. That would have driven me mad yeah. as well. So back then, you know, it was a very different world, really. Yeah. You know, things have changed. Mm-hmm. Some things for, for for the better, not everything, but yeah. lots of things for, for the better. Um, I, I loved being a dad, actually, you know, yeah. so I didn't stop being a dad. Yeah. Simply because I was a single dad. Yeah. Uh, there were things that were challenging to do. Yeah. 
And I, I, I very quickly decided that I wasn't going to be somebody who didn't ask for help. Yes. So I made that very conscious decision that it would not be, it wouldn't be good for Cherith. It would only be my own pride that would be getting in the way of me asking for help. Yeah. So I actually became quite good at asking for help. Yeah. And probably know? lots of people wanted and, to mind, um, mind her as well. Uh, you know, it's not that I asked for loads of help, but but there were things I asked for help with. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if, uh, uh, like I, I remember on a day off, we always went to uh, a nearby swimming pool. Uh-huh. And uh, that was awkward with a little girl. Yes. So... Um, one of the one of the staff began to realise that I was a single dad, and uh, she used to take Cherith, and there was a, a beauty place just beside, <laughs> uh, part of the same complex. Yeah. And Cherith used to have her have her nails done. Oh wow, while, that's so lovely. While I had a swim, you know, oh. uh, and just things like that. That yeah, that you just be really thankful for yeah. people's kindness. And there were people in the church then that had two or three in particular that had children of a similar age to Cherith, uh-huh. and that was really really good. And they yeah. were very good at just being available. To look after her because yeah. in a minister's job you're on call twenty four yes seven as well and uh, then there was an older lady who was un- available during the night okay if I was called out during the night that's amazing uh, she would I would have rung her and said uh, uh, I need to go to the hospital somebody's ill I mm-hmm. need to go she would have said I'll be there in five minutes she she, she kept her, she kept her little case packed. She came around, and if I wasn't back by school time in the morning, she took Cherith to school. That's amazing. Cherith knew that. It didn't happen very often. You know, you're talking about having to call on that sort of help maybe three or four times. Yeah. But it's actually knowing that that help is, is there. That you don't have to worry. Uh, and I would say to anybody that finds themselves in that sort of scenario, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Whatever the help is that you need, ask You've for it. talked so much about all the people that just sound like they were just amazing. And I do think a lot of the time it brings out the best in people. And I, I too have had, especially a couple of people who've just just really gone above and beyond. But yeah. did you find that anybody did or said anything that was decidedly unhelpful? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Can you tell me anything I'm about any sure. of those? I'm, I'm not <laughs> oh, goodness. Things that were unhelpful. Uh, you know, there, there were lots of things that were unhelpful, <laughs> if I'm really honest. Yes. Uh, and, you, you, you know, I, I I began to choose to laugh at them, yeah. actually, <laughs> and to think you're just being so silly. Yeah. And to walk away. Yeah. Because otherwise I would have got quite angry. Yeah. I did get angry once with somebody, but that isn't really a good thing to do as a minister, like, you know. <laughs> Just at so, something that they said. Yes. Yeah. 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 People can say the most ridiculously stupid things because yeah. they, sometimes because they don't know what to say. Yes, I definitely um, find that as well. And um, uh, and sometimes, occasionally, some people can be so wrapped up in themselves, actually, mm-hmm. that they're totally insensitive. Yes. To what's going on in your world. Yeah. 
Um, and there were one or two like that yeah. on occasions that were so wrapped up in trivia. Yes. Uh, and you tend to be less patient with trivia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you're going through grief, I think. I think that's definitely true. I know. Um, and the danger is, well, it's maybe a good thing, actually, mm-hmm. but you can point out to people that your issue is trivia. Get yes. over it. Yes. You know? uh, yeah, I completely agree. I remember my mom saying really shortly after Andrew died and she was at some social event and they were all giving off about something that was exactly as you say trivia and she had to leave she was so yeah. incensed by this are you kidding me yes, <laughs> it's just so yeah, it's yeah, so nonsense yeah. but probably puts in perspective everything probably for the rest of your life maybe i think that's right trivial things yeah, yeah. you can more easily um yeah uh, let them go you have talked um quite a lot about your faith obviously you are um a christian uh, minister with a with a strong faith um and you've talked about, especially in those six weeks, is there anything else you'd say that, you know, w- what was the main, was that the main thing that kind of got you through was having that faith or? I, I think being able, for me, being able to give to God, quite literally, to hand over to God what was deep within me by way of grief mm-hmm. and sadness and a sense, quite truthfully, at the, in the real depths of grief, Will I ever live again? Yeah. Will I ever smile again? Will I ever feel normal again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, uh, not believing that I would, uh, but somehow knowing in my head that I had to. Yes. And that I should mm-hmm. as well. Um, for me, there were uh, very significant moments. Uh, and seasons of actually uh, literally handing over to God where I was at. Um, um, choosing that grief would not become my identity. I know, I know exactly what you mean by that. Yep. Um, uh, to the point that um, I, I went overseas at one point uh, on a, with a group of other clergy to a church growth conference and there was a very significant moment, more than a moment, uh, at that conference where I really sensed the presence of God and, and God actually uh, say to me, uh, deeper than who I was, David, you've got to choose. This grief can become your identity mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Or or you can choose that I'm going to be the the one who's your your core values and yes. your identity and uh, you know uh, to have f- for me to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that's more important than anything else has been key to healing yeah not just in terms of grief but it's been key at different stages yeah in life to dealing with stuff because you give that you give that for want of a better word stuff be it grief be it your own failure, be mm-hmm. it uh, how you've messed up, be it uh, who, who you are, you hand that over to God mm-hmm. and you ask him to take its place. Yeah. And for me, that has been just life changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the key, I think, to me dealing with grief and beginning to live again really mm-hmm. 
thank you so much for your your honesty and sharing that and it's um yeah really lovely to hear about sort of how that um that faith helped you you obviously have gone on to be remarried to the lovely Hillary um how was that how was it meeting her and sort of yeah that's something I at the minute can't imagine so I'm I'm really really interested to hear how that was and uh yeah about that sort of journey to getting married again well that you know that was it was it was a bit down the track it was two and a half years yeah uh, down the track um um if, if if Hillary was here, she would probably have a different account of how we met. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think that's unusual. Um, we, you know, it's quite funny looking back on it. I I, I had got to a place where I, where where uh, I, I bumped into Hillary by by mistake or by act not by a mistake, but it wasn't planned. So her <laughs> I met her parents first, uh-huh. and her parents were running uh, a course for reti- for for clergy okay uh, in their early retirement mm-hmm. and I went along to that and I was due to go to England to visit a friend and Hillary's dad said to me well why don't you come and visit us uh, when you're <laughs> do you in think England? he was trying to set you up well we reckoned afterwards that he probably was <laughs> but um, so I I um, Went along to visit them, um, and um, Hillary was standing with her coat on in their hallway on her way out to leave. Okay. And I was on my way in. Uh-huh. So we stood and we had a conversation for about a half an hour. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, we ended up exchanging telephone numbers. Okay. Um, the conversation was about her work. She worked for an organization called Spring Harvest that ran... Um, Christian conferences and my great chat up line was that uh, I lived in an area that would be a great area to, to run spring harvest in Ireland and why wouldn't she come across to explore it perfect which she duly did oh you see I drove her all around in the morns and showed her all of these caravans that were privately owned but didn't didn't disclose that and said you know, this would be a wonderful place to, 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 to run Spring Harvest, which uh-huh. of course it wouldn't have been. <laughs> so um, it was never there. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, we went out for lunch. Okay. And on the way out of the hotel, I picked up a wedding brochure. Really? And I handed it to her and I said, put that into your file as well. She was collecting all sorts of stuff for her file. Put that into your file as well. You might need it. Wow. So that was like your first proper... Yeah, that was the first time we met. Oh, my goodness. I think some people might have run uh, away. It, it really... Well, well, she has said that, 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 that it really did. A couple of the early conversations really did. She thought, how do I escape? <laughs> and they're talking about marriage so, on the first date. Uh, it wasn't quite like that. It was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a joke, really. Yeah. But it turned out to be more than a joke. Aww. So uh, we actually... We actually... Um, uh, very soon after we met, we we knew that we were falling there. in love. There was something, yeah. and yeah, it, it went from there really. And how this is maybe a bit of a strange question. How was it grieving? I mean, did you still talk about Irene with Hillary, or was that something yeah, that you just yeah, yeah yeah? You know, grief's a funny thing. Um, people use the phrase about getting over it, 
Uh, it's the name I, of the podcast. I think it's a terrible phrase, yeah. actually. Well, sorry if it's, uh, if it's no. Well, that's that's the final question. <laughs> I think it is too. That's one of the weird things someone said to me. Phrase. I really think it's a terrible phrase, mm-hmm. because I, I think there's lots of things that happen to us in life that we don't get over, mm-hmm. and that we shouldn't get over, mm-hmm. because we would be the poorer off if they hadn't happened. Yeah, you know the final question of this. I'm going to ask you officially okay, before you finish. Okay. Is are you over it yet? That's because someone asked me that, you see. And I thought it was a very stupid question to ask. So exactly it, as you say, a, there's no cra- such thing. It's a crazy question. Yeah. Things happen to us in life that change us. Uh, and they either change us for the good or they change us for the worse. Mm-hmm. Or maybe sometimes they change us in both directions that some things get better and some things don't get better. Yeah. Somebody said to me early on, you'll either get better or better. Okay. Uh, and I was quite challenged by that. I didn't like it when yeah. they said it. But I was challenged by it. Uh, am I over it? I'm very happily married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love what I do in life. Mm-hmm. I love my work. Do I think about the fact that I was uh, widowed when I was 33 every moment of every day? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, there, uh, are there moments where, 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 where memories come flooding? Yes. N- not, not loads of them mm-hmm. any longer, mm-hmm. but there are. So the morning, for example, that Cherith, my daughter, was married, mm-hmm. which was, I suppose, 20, I guess, 22, 23 years after Irene died. Yes. I walked into the church on the morning of the wedding. Mm-hmm. So I was going to be taking the wedding, okay. obviously. And I walked into the church. But what I didn't realize, because my daughter hadn't told me, was that there was going to be a loop of photographs. Oh, uh, and somebody had been in the church and had set up this loop of photographs. So I walked into the church uh, early that morning. Somebody had already been there and set up this loop of photographs. And there they were, all of these photographs from from Cherith's childhood, from her husband-to-be's childhood as well, actually, yes. uh, from when they were babies. And there was all of these photographs. And I sat down and in for about maybe 40 minutes... I just wept. Yeah. Because all of the all of the memories of living with cancer, mm-hmm. all of the trips to Beaver Park Hospital yeah. and chemotherapy, some of the photographs were actually taken outside Beaver Park Hospital. Um, you know, there was just a mixture of stuff. So on the, in that moment I wasn't over it. Yeah. Uh but you know, am I over it in, in so far as I'm living and mm-hmm. I'm uh, living a, a full life? Yes, mm-hmm. I am over it in that sense. Yeah. Uh, but the person who asked that question doesn't understand. That's exactly. Grief, that's exactly why I called it that. <laughs> they don't understand grief. Yes. And um, um. And that's probably okay. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they can't understand where they haven't been. Yeah. Uh, 
So you and I have just got to understand that and yeah. be mm-hmm. patient with that yeah. and say, well, you're blessed that yeah. you haven't been there yet. <laughs> yes. Yet. Yes. Because the reality is that in one way or another, they will be there yeah. one day. Mm-hmm. Very likely. There's very few people, I think, that get to old age themselves. That never grieve. That never have got to go, th- go through grief. Yeah. And loss and pain and they, they, this sort of roller coaster is what I describe. So if you're on a roller coaster, you know there are moments where it's okay to be on a roller coaster. Yeah. But there's moments where you want to be off the roller coaster. Yes. So it's a bit like living like that. Yeah. Um, you know I I would never have chosen the path of grief not in a million years. Yeah. But in a strange sort of way, and this might sound a strange thing to say, Ruth, in a strange sort of way, I'm thankful for what has happened in me because of it. Yeah. Uh, It's not the path I would have chosen, but what has happened in me by way of me being transformed and changed. I, I do think I have a better grasp of grief. I may be in some ways less patient with some people, mm-hmm. uh, but I hope more patient with others. Yeah. Um, I do sometimes feel the need to challenge people to, to actually uh, choose to deal with uh, some of the aspects of grief. Because I think much of it is a choice, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the saying that time heals. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I, I think the healing process is very much down to making some tough choices, actually. Yeah. And for me, uh, that, and I would commend this obviously and clearly to anyone, for me... Uh, a, a Christ who died on a cross, who looked down from a cross at his mother and said to his best friend, John, John, look after mum, mum, look after John. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the sort of, you know, that, that God had become that human being. So to turn to, turn to a God who has that sort of depth of love for us mm-hmm. in every circumstance of life, uh, is something that is really wonderful to do. Yeah. Uh, but even that requires choice. Yeah. Uh, and requires that we actually do it. Yeah. So, am I over it? Um, that's the wrong question. That's a good answer. <laughs> that's a good answer. <laughs> Um, David, thank you so much for coming and speaking to me. I found that really interesting. So hopefully whoever's listening found it interesting. And it was just um, really lovely of you to open up yourself to to talk about um, such a difficult thing, really. So thank you so much. Bless you. And uh, bless you, Ruth. Uh, uh, I think, you know, the, the la- while, while I say time isn't a healer, I think it's important to recognise that the journey takes time. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it really does take time, and I think the, the 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 worst thing that anyone can do actually is make choices and decisions too speedily, uh, 
when they're on the journey of grief. Mm -hmm. So just to maybe throw that in at the end as well. Bless you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.